This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio here on 105.4 OARFM. Today we are speaking to Tony McCarlin, a Dunedin local, ecotherapist, food forest architect, NVC counselor, and dear friend. Thank you for listening along as we discuss the benefits of implementing nature therapy, mindfulness, and remembrance of our connection with the planet into our daily lives again. What is ecotherapy? I'm really interested to talk about this with you today and find out more about this approach to health with this very appealing name, ecotherapy. However, before we delve into this topic, I would like to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself with your own words and perhaps give us and the listeners a little background of yourself and your expertise. And we will get into more details about your work and vision as an ecotherapist in the course of our conversation, as well as some deeper political philosophical questions. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm, I'm privileged and honoured. And you guys are doing amazing stuff. Thank you. I kind of came into this the world um, probably and grew up rolling around in mycelium and leaf litter and spent my childhood um, climbing trees and talking to birds. And it was a refuge for me from uh, my what was going on in my home life I didn't know any different any better in hindsight looking back later I could see how it was like a it was a real foundation for safety security and connection for me with in relation to what was going on at home so that's some some back 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 history and then um I just was a natural gravitation for me to get into horticulture so my father enrolled me into a cadetship in horticulture and from there I went into landscape design and always in the background though was organics. It was like why are we why are we using pesticides? Why are we spraying? Why are we why are we doing all this? And I was lucky enough to have one teacher who was um in the polytech and she was organic. And so that's that's become sort of the cornerstone foundation of my my work is the is organics. From, and so I took that into landscape design. And then, as you do when you get into your 30s, your past catches up with you and you end up in the therapy room trying to make sense of um, why you just told your partner to f*** off. <laughs> the person that you're closest to, you, you know, you, you've just abused them. And so... The second chapter of my life started there where um, I looked at why why I reacted the way I did and where it came from and where the trauma came from and what triggered the trauma. And I started to see, and in the therapy room, I was fortunate enough to have a Hakomi somatic therapist who facilitated some sessions where plants started coming into the sessions and um, I started to have a really somatic experience and healing experience with plants that I was really familiar with in my horticultural world, my landscape design. They were actually weeds in my 
um, commercial world, but here they were showing up in my therapy room um, like visions. And I was able to embody them and have a physical experience. And that really got me started down a whole other track of, of healing. And this was in California. And I was fortunate enough then to meet a wilderness therapist, Dave Talamo, who I did some trainings with. And this went to a whole other level. It was facilitated. It was bringing mindfulness, nature, and healing together as one. And it was profound. It was a real game changer for me. I, I In one ecotherapy session, I had more healing than what I did in the therapy office probably for, for three years. And I guess when it comes more natural to you and you just would rather be outside, it's it's that much easier to go to therapy, which is something that people often almost struggle with just to get into the door. Yeah, there's a whole own anxiety yeah. about getting to that space of healing. So yeah. being in a space where you're comfortable is probably a lot more productive for actual healing and growth. Well, yeah, and the, there's a um, organization in the U.S., Called the School of Lost Borders, they're in the, the Owens Valley somewhere. Mammoth. Anyway, they've been doing quests, vision quests for for a long time, thirty odd years or something. Meredith Little and Steve Foster, and so they send people out, and it's a Native American lineage vision quest, and and, and now actually the word vision quest is they no longer say that it's because it's appropriation of the the cultural term um, quest means to lament. So you, you go out in the land and you pray and you cry and you ache for reconnection with your your deeper self, your ecological self, your your soul connection, your calling, your gift. So this is what Steve Foster and Meredith Little were are doing in the, in the US and, and many other people in the US and other indigenous cultures around the world. Carl Rogers, he's this psychotherapy um, person who brought the humanistic perspective into into psychology. He says the way that we see ourselves is the way that we believe others see us. Right, so we use others as a reflection to see to see how we feel about ourselves, how we believe we are in the world. So you take a person, Meredith Little said this beautifully, you take a person and you put them in nature where they're now getting their reflections back from a grand old Kauri tree or Rimu or fuchsia or a rock or a clear river. The reflections are now of themselves are coming back from something wholesome like that. Then it's going to be good. Go for a walk in a park and... And a tui will come down and sit beside you. And we're not sort of taught to go, oh, look, a tui has just come. I've gone into the tui's landscape and the tui has actually just come down and sat next to me. It's not a coincidence. We've walked into their home. Of course they're going to come down and sit next to you. Like, So it's, it's an acknowledgement and remembering again this relationship that we have with the natural world and how we're not, we're not living in a separate world where it's symbiotic and interdependent and connected. I want to touch on 
your other set of skills and expertise in nonviolent communications and counseling, perhaps you could touch on how ecotherapy expands this spectrum of nonviolent communication and teaching others how to have a different perspective when it comes to looking at all life and living things. Mm. Excellent. Nonviolent communication is a strategy for the bigger principle, the bigger philosophy of nonviolence. It's one one strategy coined and developed by Marshall Rosenberg in, in the US. And one of the key principles of nonviolent communication is Every single thing that we do is an attempt to meet a need. And human beings love giving. So if we're to have unconditional positive regard for someone, what would that sound like? It's just a violation of my complete practice of nonviolence to imagine taking the life of another being. And that even goes down to the tiniest um, ant or mosquito. As hard as that is sometimes when you're in the field and you're getting eaten alive. So you already kind of started to answer this question, but maybe you can go into even more detail about how do you practice and how do you teach ecotherapy. Um, I'm aware that you have some workshops or teaching sessions coming up and uh, that you will be holding these and facilitating these on a piece of land that you're looking after near Waitati, is that, is that right? How, how would it look like for participants and, um, yeah, and, and these workshops and trainings? That's good. Well, it's comes, it can come about in many different ways. So it can be one-on-one -on -one and, and it could be here on the land at Waitati or we could meet somebody. In a, it could be in a park. Like I say, we don't even actually have to go very far. And, it's, and that can be one-on-one. -on -one. We may meet in an office. First, just because some people, while I'm really comfortable with going outdoors and being in nature, some, some people, are, it creates a lot of anxiety. So we may meet indoors first and get to know each other and create alliance and trust and connection. And then we go somewhere where they're comfortable. And that may just be a park bench somewhere next to a lawn. It doesn't have to be the wilderness. And, and we'll start to generally introduce and use the natural resources around us the trees the the, the wind as resources whatever a person is innately drawn to this is where the MVC comes into it is that everything that we we do is an attempt to meet a need so if someone's sitting out in nature and they've got some anxiety coming up and it's around needing security then what they're drawn to out in nature will will be some metaf metaphor for securities. And then there's the quests. So ecotherapy for me is not just um, taking pers a person one-on-one. -on -one. It's also facilitating to people to go out and have solo time on the land, supporting them to create, to connect to some intention, some transition that, they want, that they're going through, some purpose for going out and then guide them to actually develop a relationship with a spot on the land and spend time out there. So to, the, to the extreme end of that, they'll be fasting for four days and four nights, and then they'll, we'll welcome them back in, and there'll be integration period. And then there's shorter versions of that. We offer day quests as well, where someone will go out for three hours and come back, and there's a whole 
process of supporting them to go in and out and it's ceremony we bring ceremony back into the um back into the daily life to create containers for people to feel safe and remember the sacredness the sacred relationships between ourselves and this incredible planet that we live on and all the beings on it let's talk about your evolution in the practice and how perhaps has your practice changed since you very first started ecotherapy what have you learned what have you gotten rid of perhaps in your practice that wasn't serving you so well and what have you gained or adopted since the start I think probably trust is what I've gained trust that I don't have to be the expert and I don't even have to know what kind of tree it is that they're sitting under or that they're drawn to or the name of the plant. Um, I don't have to come up with a meaning. That Trust that the relationship that a person's going to have with this, this bird or this plant or this insect or this cloud is powerful and pertinent to them and meaningful to them. And I'm... I'm the I'm a guide to support them to to stay in connection and stay in connection with the natural world and their body and, and their essence. So that's that's how it's evolved. It's sort of maybe I came into it kind of clunky through the horticultural world with you know this excitement that I knew the names and I knew restoration and I knew this the what someone was looking at and I, I could see stuff that I thought that they couldn't see and I thought it was worth mentioning and and so that's kind of dropped away as I've developed trust and everybody's potential to and not just potential, everybody's capacity to have a deep and intimate relationship with the natural world. And I don't even like saying relationship. It's like reconnection to the concept of unity as one with the natural world. There's really no, once you get into a really deep connected place, there's not a barrier between the wind moving and my heart beating. It's, it's all happening at the same time and it's, it's kind of all one. It's the breaking down of all barriers, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Oh, that that just sounds like a completely different way of of being in the world and and with the world than what we might think of as conventional therapy is based on. And this different approach to therapy, how how this revolutionizes or how this can revolutionize uh, the way we look at mental health, spiritual health, physical health. How it can even revolutionize the way we look at not only ourselves, but the land that we're living on. Well, once once you start to remember that you are part of the ecosystem, that you're that we we are another species along with many others on on this planet, and and, and once you remember that you're sacred, and that every other living being is sacred, then your perspective on how you're going to take care of them and how you and 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 that using the word even using resources becomes feels like dirty almost or exploitative exploitative mm. because it's like you don't use your friends 
you don't you you don't use your 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 mother's hand like it becomes a whole different way of being in the world so what does that mean it means that you want to protect it you want to keep keep the water clean for the other beings that live there not just because you drink it but because other critters live there and other people's other critters lives are dependent on it and the mycelium you want the mycelium to have a experience of life not just because that mycelium is essential for us to grow food but because mycelium is entitled to live the same the same way I am entitled to live and breathe and so it becomes a much more holistic way of being in the world and conservation preservation restoration is a natural consequence of that what tips would you have for those people working in Aotearoa with that vision well people are already doing it which is great in New Zealand and that is um, planting obviously planting planting trees and diversity of species is is really important because if you've got diversity of species then you've got diversity just diversity of species of trees and plants then you've got diversity of species of, of insects and animals and habitat so that's vital and um, I'm a little bit I'm not a purist like um, I, I did a lot of my regeneration work and study in Australia and it, some of the purists there were could, would say that Alphatonia which came was a tree from northern New South Wales when it was in southern New South Wales it was a weed and we pulled it out even though the birds brought it down with the berries we pulled it out because it was in a blue gum forest and a blue gum forest is, is purely a blue gum forest and Alphatonia doesn't belong in a blue gum forest. So that didn't sit with me at all because um, um, I believe that there's a wisdom in the, um, in, the, in the planet and I believe in the wisdom. I believe that we're sort of part of the wisdom and so hands off, that's another that's probably what I would say is just hands off. We keep we keep um, playing God and intervening and cutting this down so this will, this can grow back. And I mean, gorse is a fantastic example, right? We know now it's pretty common knowledge. If you leave it alone, it's a legume. It fixes nitrogen, and uh, in a hundred years you'll have a forest back again if you just leave it well alone. This property that we're on here, Bruce Bohm and um, his partners, his partner Sahari, bought this 35 years ago, and it was. If you look at the aerial photographs in 1987, I think 87, it was bare farmland with a few pockets of bush and a remnant three hectare lot. And Bruce has planted 16,000 trees here. So, so we're we're the um, we're the lucky recipients. Recipient. recipients of that we get the benefits of Bruce's dedication and and so this place has been Bruce has planted 16,000 and then he's done hands off on the on the rest and and you can see it the place has been resting and it's restoring so probably that that's one of the main things would be um yeah plant and remember and hands off let, <laughs> let nature do what it does really well which is Restore, restore itself. Mm. Hands off, stop playing God, being one with nature. 
wise words that we often take for granted. Mm. Mm. Remembering the sacredness. Yes, these are beautiful, beautiful concepts. Thank you so much for for sharing your 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 knowledge and wisdom and and passion with us and our listeners. And maybe a lighthearted question at the end: Do you do you have a favorite? plant species or or a different favorite tree or a favorite rock on your on your on the land that you're living on that you're connecting with well on general that evo- that's an that's an evolving thing depending yeah. on which plant i'm having an experience so i i can't i i can't it's like saying who's your favorite parent <laughs> i can't do that um or I, cat. yeah or cat <laughs> or who's your favorite yeah, i'm not able to do that um so, I th- but at the moment, the relationship that I'm I'm having and exploring is with the is tree fuchsia and with mm. broom, which is a exotic in New Zealand. So those are the two yeah. that I'm exploring my relationship with right now. Yeah, broom, pretty unexpected one. But like you were saying with the gorse, I was just reading about the medicinal properties of gorse actually, and found it quite surprising and. Yeah, we're so quick to deem something a weed before we even understand it. Or well, yeah, and it depends on the perspective that you're looking. If you're a farmer and you're trying to grow grass, and broom is coming up, then it's then you don't want it, and it's a weed. If you're trying to get nitrogen back into the soil and you're not particularly worried about what species come up, then broom's fantastic because it just has these huge long roots of with nitrogen fixing bacteria all through it. It's an, and and the yellow flowers, the kedaru gorge themselves mm. on the yellow flowers and the bees and the bumblebees it's a it's a pretty cool plant well that's what we're here for to talk controversy and unsuspected uh, opinions sometimes even unpopular opinions but you never know what truth will come out in the future and how opinions will change and hopefully we're doing that today so we'd like to really really thank you again tony for being on this show today with us and where can they find more information now on our website restorativerelationships.co.nz is is one website and then cncl.info is another website that we have that has all kinds of workshops on, on that around Relating to nonviolence and trauma and animal rights and human rights. And I'm assuming your next uh, workshop is all booked out, or is there still space for it? It's at its capacity at the moment for what we've got um, capacity for. So that's coming up on the 19th of April, 19th to 29th, and that's an ecotherapy training for therapists here on the land. So share it facilitating therapists to become ecotherapists. That is the true revolution, teaching the teachers and then implementing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll be having uh, Wild Your Boots Off camps, Wild Your Boots Off camps for kiddies. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. I love it when your American train comes out. I said this earlier. No, I finally got it on recording. (laughs) All right. Well, if there's anything else that you'd like to add on ways for people to get a hold of you or anything that you recommend publication wise for them to read before 
they come on one of your workshops or if maybe if they just want to know a bit more about ecotherapy in general yeah if someone wants to read about it i recommend bill plotkin's um sort of series of books they're, they're more based around questing which is for me it's really closely tied to ecotherapy and and gives more of a spiritual and um philosophical approach to ecotherapy than some of them sort of research there's a lot of research about ecotherapy how it makes you feel good and it's just nice being outdoors but Bill takes it to another another level and so if people are interested in that which is sort of what we've been talking about the kind of connecting again to the sacredness then that's a good place to to start thank you so much Tony yay it's been a pleasure likewise thank you And that brings us to today's sponsor message from DCC Waste Management. As we collectively work in the name of conservation and restoration, this is your friendly reminder to start composting organic waste if you have not done so already. In my house, we have a separate compost bin for coffee grounds and for all of our vegetable and fruit waste. The seeds that go into the compost actually have produced a lot of really awesome plants for free in my garden this year. 20 squashes, to be precise, have self-seeded due to putting my compost in the garden beds. And after they self-seed, I nourish them with some nitrogen-boosting coffee grounds. So needless to say, if anybody needs pumpkins this autumn, hit me up. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks' time. And if you're looking to listen to our previous episodes, please find us on listennotes.com by searching Revolution Radio with Alexandria and Duke. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.